After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Middle call! Baby, hey! Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Haberman and Middlecoff. I'm Guy Haberman. That's John Middlecoff. And it's great to have you. We are live on YouTube, as always. Today, uh, this is Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning podcast, whoever you consume, whenever you consume. Thanks for being on the pod as well. Uh, we are going to watch a few videos today, like a substitute teacher day. So uh, we'll describe them for those of you listening on the podcast, some things from Niner Practice. Uh, don't forget, if you are listening to the podcast, leave us a review. Apple Podcast, five stars. We appreciate that. Ask us a question. That's how you get in the Haberman and Middlecoff mailbag. If you're watching, hit that like button. Subscribe. Maybe even hit the little bell and uh, join us on this journey. We appreciate that. To uh, Next up, John, 20,000 subs. So let's get there quickly, people. Is that a new feature? The little thing that popped up right there? That was it is pretty a cool. Feature. That, that was a little feature. That was Pretty cool, you know, pretty cool. Subscribe, like, rate, review, share with your friends, share with your enemies, and have a Tito's on us, guy. The graphics squad's been in the lab, John, so we appreciate that. Definitely have a uh, Tito's on us. Well, actually on you. In fact, you're helping us more when you drink the Tito's than we're helping you once you know about it. But uh, we're here to tell you it's fantastic. Go get it. Send us photos of you maybe enjoying a Tito's, however you may be enjoying your Tito's. Uh, because it's the number one vodka in America, John. America's original craft vodka. Tito, yeah, handmade vodka. They sponsor the podcast. Man with a dream, guy. Tito I'll Beverage. That's actually his name. Tito, and obviously Beverage is his last name. He uh, created this company, and it turned into Tito's, and he's still rocking and rolling, kicking ass, taking names, and now he has the number one vodka in America. No big deal. Dreams come true, and uh, anything is possible. And we all love a good Tito's and soda, a good Tito's and... Uh, Tito's and 7-Up, Tito's and Sprite, Tito's and Ginger, beer, uh, Tito's and anything. I mean, it goes, you get, uh, you know what's really in vogue? Very. And, and I asked a bartender this summer in Scottsdale, I said, why do you think so many people are doing this? He's like, honestly, I think Instagram's played a big role. Espresso martinis. Mm. Uh, and you get an espresso martini with Tito's because everyone on my Instagram feed once a week is taking a picture of an espresso martini and posting it. Now, I will say this about an espresso martini with Tito's. They are pretty good. <laughs> Actually, they're really good. So I, I get it. But if you're out and about and you want a little post-meal drink, espresso martini, but you got to tell them Tito's. Got to tell them Tito's. 
We uh, we went to what was that place we went to in Walnut Creek? Walnut Creek Yacht Club. Yeah, the elites, the yacht club. Yeah, the yacht club. For those of you not familiar with the uh, California geography, uh, Walnut Creek not on the water. Inland, yeah, inland. <laughs> not, <laughs> they've got a yacht not club. even not even close, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's an awesome spot. Our guy Devin from Tito's took us. We ordered espresso martinis. I went to. Uh, Big Niner fan, my guy Pat, went to his like uh, wedding celebration several months ago. Espresso martinis were one of the – I like it because it just gets you – it's an upper end. It's not a downer necessarily, but it just gets you the juice that you need. Yeah, Three espresso beans, not two, not four. It's got to be three on top. Uh, and um, th- yeah, this, it's, is, it's th- this part is not paid for. This is just I like going to Danville. Primo's in Danville has espresso martinis on tap. That's the place we went, the pizza place? Yeah, the pizza place. Espresso martinis on tap. They got espresso martinis on tap? Yeah, so just you're ever in the Danville area, check that out. Uh, Michael on the stream wants to emphasize that it's an S and not a X in espresso. Yeah, I, I say espresso. Espresso. <laughs> uh, uh, on the stream, this is from RJ. He said, Middlecoff saw you on the herd today, and Josh has props on the herd appearance, John. I actually have a photo, John. It looks like you just changed gray golf shirts um, well, I just, it, you know it's like a longer sleeve travis matthew i would not be wearing in a hundred degrees so i just i didn't want to put a button up while i'm sitting in basketball shorts so i just put on a long sleeve shirt and uh you know I, i'm not i love dave who books the show i think sometimes when you get a text late afternoon nighttime the day before you know did uh did, does patrick mahomes something come up right does it could it could uh Tom Telesco not make it. And listen, I'm cool with being in the bullpen. You bring me out and you just get a couple outs and you go back in. Sergio Romo made a career out of that and several, several rings. So I, I'm always ready out of the pen. But I my texts don't come week of like, hey, John, could you what days work for you? It's it's in the night. Yeah. And it's uh, you know, hey, I, I can't tell you this without telling you this, but Brian Dayball, he's got a meeting, not gonna happen. Can you come? Sure. Right or wrong? Yep. I, that's absolutely. It looks like you guys talked about. I didn't see it. I, I got alerted to it. Jonathan on the stream. Uh, Jonathan on Twitter actually tweeted this <laughs> this photo. Yeah, I guess he just was happy with that photo. If you didn't want to retake the photo, but um, he he sent us this. It looks like you guys talked about Kenny Pickett today on uh, on the herd. Yeah. Did you see he threw a game winning touchdown? Which you know in the history of the sport of football. Uh, it's a positive thing, right? Throwing game-winning touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I did see it. Actually. I, I would say in the in the professional level, in if you're throwing game-winning touchdowns in the month of August, uh, I, I you know, and you're the 20th pick in the draft, is is that a good thing? Because that means what you're in in the fourth quarter at the end of the game. I, I would say, right. If Trey right. Lance last year was last year's yeah had been throwing game-winning touchdowns, you'd be like, should he be playing in the end of the game, fourth quarter? Because the, the rosters are 90 people, guys. So by the time you get to the fourth, what numbers are we on? 70 to 90 range, would you say? Yeah, well, I mean, we just watched for the Niners. It was it was uh, Brock Purdy played in the fourth quarter. He was the last player taken in the draft. So, uh, you know, the Raiders' fourth quarterback is who was – the Niners only have three, but the Raiders have four. Their fourth quarterback is who was playing late in their preseason game. D- Dan Campbell told a funny story on the Hard Knocks, which has, has been fantastic. Now, I'm biased. I do Staley and it. me started with the Eagles at the same time, and he plays a big role, and he's just an elite, you know, position coach. He's awesome. But Dan Campbell told a story. They were getting ready for the preseason game, and a couple of his do's and don'ts 
it was mainly just don'ts, right? No grab ass and fucking around when, when guys are playing, right? He's mainly talking like starters and backups. Like you got to support, like don't be out there. Yeah. Slapping asses and eating hot dogs. But, Slap he told, ass. but he told a story about his seventh year in the league. And by then Jason Witten was a couple years in, he's on the Cowboys, Bill Parcells and Jason Witten's a pro bowler at the time. And Dan's like the backup, but you know, it's like the fourth quarter of a preseason game. And he's like six tight ends go down and he sees it's either Parcells or, you know, who Sean Payton. I don't know who the offensive coordinator was like looks back and Dan looks and he's like one, th- one of his big things was keep your shoes tied and keep your pads on. Mm. You don't have to have your helmet in your hand, but keep everything just kind of dialed in. Like at any moment you can play, even though you're done playing. He says they look over and Dan looks and he realizes, well, Jason Witten sure as hell ain't going in the game. So Dan looks down. He's like, my shoes were untied. He had to tie his shoes and ran in the game. They just use the example. Their entire staff, former player, every single guy. Deuce Daly. Aaron Glenn, longtime DB, Dan Campbell. Who's their DC? Uh, Former player. It's Aaron Glenn. Oh, it's Aaron Glenn. Okay. They have a lot. Their linebacker coach is Chris Borland. Some some Beecham or something. He was a longtime linebacker. Their quarterback coach is Mark Brunel, right? Hank Fraley, who, if you remember, had a stint at San Jose State. I uh, do. Was, was an Andy Reid uh, center for a long time with the Eagles and the Browns. I mean, honestly, everyone, in the first episode, they went through like 10 of their coaches, OC, DC, position coaches, totaled up to 88 years, or 88 training camps as, as 88 players. 88 training camps, wow. <laughs> I Speaking of staying ready, I heard, uh, what, which podcast? I heard some podcast the other day. Maybe I watched. I don't remember where it was, but Louis C.K. was the guest. And uh, is he available? Yeah, I guess he was telling a story about um, he was emceeing one night, like you know, probably in the eighties, an op- like a stand-up comedian deal. He was the MC, and Larry David was one of the one of the stand-up comedians. He'd never seen Larry David stand up before, do stand-up comedy. He'd never heard of Larry David before, and uh, they they told him. Be you have to stay for all of Larry David's set because he sometimes gets angry and storms off set, and you have to be ready as the MC to run back on set. He was like, "Wait, what? Like, yeah, Larry can get very upset. He'll storm off the stage. When that happens, you just have to be ready. You got to be here. Like, you can't be in the bathroom. You can't be gone. You can't be eating. You have to be ready to get back on stage when Larry David storms off stage. So." Larry was an edgy dude back in the day. Larry, yeah, I mean, he stopped doing stand-up because he was like, I just can't handle it. Like one bad no laugh, almost? Well, I just think his stuff didn't work. Like, he didn't have the the, the temperament to, yeah. like, work with the crowd or whatever it takes. I don't know. So, Larry David, I, I guess I knew this, but maybe not. Is just a failed stand-up comedian? But, like, failed. I mean, like, he was funny, but he did not stick with it long because it just he was it didn't work for him. And then he just got into writing? Yeah, I don't. I don't know exactly what the middle ground was, but then he, yeah, him and Mustard would you say, would you say his transition worked out pretty well? I think it's worked out very well. Yeah, and now he's known. I would say by most people, thirty to seventy years old is extremely one of the funniest people on the planet. Right? I know. <laughs> uh, some photos, John, from the 49ers joint practice today with the Minnesota Vikings. Here's a photo from Cam Inman of Kirk Cousins and Mike Shanahan. 
you know, for those of you who, <laughs> who haven't seen it and are listening, it's a photo of Mike Shanahan slapping Kirk Cousins in the ass and making very solid contact. I, I think before we get to the ass slap and just yeah. the true love the family has for this human being, you know, I think a lot of people have love for different players that work in sports, uh, and theirs is strong. I think we really got to dive into Mike's outfit because it, one his his teeth or whoever. You know, those veneers, I mean, that's a $100,000 set of teeth. Uh, but I think Mike was kind of confused, right? Like, is it summer in Minnetonka and it's going to be 890 degrees and humid? So I'll wear shorts. But then I'm also, just in case, it is Minnesota. And one time Bud Grant went out there shirtless minus whatever. So you just yeah, never like know. It could, it could get cold. But then he also looks like has, at least from the back, it looked like he had the slip-on dress shoes that you can easily he wear does. as a suit yep. when you're a he super does. rich guy. So it's like he's ready to kind of talk some business with the owners or the GMs, like about bigger picture shit. Feels like he's ready for anything. Like he can go to the golf course. He could go, it could get cold and start raining. He'd be good. And he'd get into a serious conversation with the kicks. I mean, I, maybe he's just so rich. He just has kind of nicer clothes. He, you know, he's not really going to wear like the coaching outfit, which probably is what, you know, he, maybe he should have done, but maybe he's retired from that. I don't know. It feels like he's kind of lost in no man's land with the, with the outfit there, guy. So as Brandon on Twitter tweeted at me, I bet he smells wealthy. <laughs> he does look like he smells wealthy. So I, you know, I would say this. You know, he looks to me the way you dress when you're playing golf in the morning, and it's gonna be a nice day, but it's also a crisp morning. But you don't mind how nice and crisp it is. So you go with shorts because you know if you're gonna cover either your upper or your lower on a chilly day, I always go upper. My legs are very hairy. I can handle the cold on my legs. I want you know, I I want my upper body. Warm, so he's got that like you know golf kind of pullover. I think it even says like Silver Creek, or actually it might say Shadow Creek on it, which is uh, the the Vegas, the famous Vegas course, clearly from a uh, a golf course. The white shorts, and yeah, he's got the boat shoes, which he wears at Niners practice too. I think this is a classic of his generation. This is just the look. Yeah, um, that's true. The, the the that generation probably a little less likely if they're dressing a little bit better where our generation, Kyle, and I think O'Connell would fall under this, they would easily throw on tennis shoes with just about any outfit. His generation, much less likely. Also, the Shadow Creek over-under country clubs uh, Shanny belongs to. Older version. <laughs> yeah. Five? Uh, I'd go over on five, for sure. Yeah, I mean, minimum three sweet ones in Denver, right? I love that this other photo we're looking at, which Matt Mayoko tweeted. So if you're listening, you can either join us on the video version or for this breakdown or uh, go go check out the photos. But here's this picture of Kyle Shanahan and Kevin O'Connell talking and Mike just right there taking it all in. And and it, and it can't, I started thinking, tell me what you think. If you know you have like emergency contacts, if Kyle had to list the emergency contacts for coaching the Niners, should he have to miss a game? I bet Mike is higher than some of the people who are actually on the staff. I would say he might just be the head coach because I think Kyle would justify it. Like it keeps D'Amico dialed in to be the DC. Uh, the OC is already kind of would be an issue because none of my guys call plays. I call the plays. Well, who can call the plays? Probably uh, who called yeah, plays well, for oh, three yeah, years. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe see my guess was like Bobby Slowick would call the play like Brian Greasy. Would not become the head coach over Mike Chan. Absolutely no chance. Is ahead of people on the staff on the depth chart for replacement head coaches for this organization right now. 
Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, before Bobby Slowick, John Lynch would be just the acting game manager of the of the thing before Bobby Slowick. And that's no shot at Bobby Slowick. I, I think, think Bobby would be the one calling plays, John. Well, yeah, I, I would imagine Mike Shanahan or John Lynch, if it was just like a, a week, like Kyle could not make it, bedridden, something happened, food poisoning, just dead, basically, but alive. Mike Shanahan would be probably the guy on the sideline. I don't know the NFL rules. Like, do you have to be under contract? Can you just, I, Anthony Lynn? You're probably right. Actually, that's that would be I just another. I didn't say he'd be ahead of Anthony Lynn. I just said there are people he would be ahead of. Anthony Lynn would definitely be high. Anthony Lynn probably is number two. Actually, I would say this though, guy. They the family, <laughs> I include Mike, uh, because I, I think was it on brick by brick where Kyle's like talking to Anthony Lynn. He's like, you see my pops. He's like, yeah. no, where's your pops? He's yeah. like, he's over there. He's like, I gotta go see the old man. And then they kind of start talking. Yeah. I Anthony Lynn, we saw at the head coach, and there was a lot of like random shit going on, haywire. Not not X's and O's wise, just you could say that now nah, Anthony, you just you just hang out, you know. Pops come back. I think Mike would be the number one draft pick. <laughs> I, Mike has the look in his eye, guy. This sucks. I wish I was. I still, in I still got these it. Guys. Yeah, I still got it. And, Kevin, and O'Con- Kevin is, O'Connell's a big dude. Kirk, I think we can do some special things. <laughs> yeah, hey Kirk. I, I don't know if you saw ESPN just announced RG three got his seventh promotion. We absolutely never liked him. We, we would have taken you in the second round and never drafted him if we could have. But that crazy ass owner that we both hate that paid us both a lot of cash. I mean, what do you think Dan Snyder paid combined to Mike and Cousins? Because remember, Cousins got franchised twice, and Mike got fired with like several years. And remember, when Mike got hired for the football team, Commanders, like it was a big deal. Like he was he was making a lot. Like twelve years ago, might have been making eight nine million dollars a year. You think he was making that much? Yeah, because he was. He I would have guessed like so six successful. seven. Honestly, no, he was, oh, he said five years, thirty five million, so seven, seven a year. Yeah. So probably a hundred million dollars between Mike and Kirk, right? It's a lot of cash. Was Mike like, okay, Kyle will be my offensive coordinator. We can pay him a coordinator minimum. Like I bet he, you know, Kyle probably made a, a nice chunk of change there. Oh yeah. They, they had a, they had an expensive coaching staff. Yeah. It was a big deal. People forget when Snyder landed Mike. Yeah. I, can, I, I appreciate a guy with the colors of his hair. That they hit a point in time, and maybe it just you have more free time to realize, like, what am I doing this for? And you just stop, but you still have a great head of hair, but it's just good look. I think it's a good look. I do too. You stand out. He's sneaky, not as old as you think. Like, I looked, I looked the other day, he was like 68, and you start doing the math. You're like, Kyle, I mean, I guess coaches start pumping out kids sometimes in their mid 20s, but yeah, he is younger. I mean, there are people coaching, right? Bill's Bill's older, Saban's older, older, Pete's uh, older. Pete's older. Mac Brown, how old's Mac Brown? He's definitely over seventy. Uh, I know he technically retired slash fired. Uh, Bruce Arians, remember, was seventy. Mac turned seventy-one in ten days. Isn't it kind of crazy that Mike's out and some of the guy, you know, Bruce Arians? Uh, obviously, he coaches college, but Mac and this guy's just done. Pete. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I think, and I don't, this probably isn't fair, but if we just talked about career arcs, right? Mike's peaked in the late nineties where Bruce didn't really get a shot until much later. Yeah. So, so maybe that's part time, of it. Timing element. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, I did get this, by the way, before we dive into some uh, Niner, some other stuff. Somebody tweet. Where did this go? Oh, I got to find it. Oh, here we go. Leo smelled smelled wealthy. (laughs) How great is that? Uh, Leo tweeted at us, John. He said, food for thought. Instead of the NFL voiding the Dolphins' first-round pick next year, why don't they create some sort of lottery for the rest of the teams, allowing a team to steal that pick? Got me thinking. I think the best thing, what about an auction? Every owner in the room with a little paddle. We've got the Dolphins' first-round pick up for bid. We don't know what they're picking yet. We just know it's the Dolphins' first-round pick, and the bidding is going to start at $10 million. Wouldn't you wait till? Wouldn't this be a good event post Super Bowl pre-draft? So yes, from an inter, from when you need the content standpoint, but I actually think the bidding would be more interesting when you don't know where the pick what is. the Dolphins' pick is going to be. But you're right. I mean, what if the Dolphins end up picking top ten, and then you could really see the money were, skyrocket? Were you, were, were you thinking? The pick is not just like a random pick 32, right? There's the normal pick one through 31 with them gone and this 32. This would be where they would pick. If they yeah, go 6 and 10 and their pick's 10, it's yep. pick 10. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. And so my question is, A, what would the winning bid for a random first-round pick be? And B, who would be bidding in the final rounds? You know, it'd when, be, it'd, when be the, it'd be the richest owner. When Dean you know, Spanos and Mark Davis... Have yeah. put their paddles down. Mike Brown would be way out. I, I even Jerry, think that, obviously. I, I think the Maras. There would be some old school that are like, "This is this is crazy." We have no, we have no understanding. The Clark Hunt, I don't think would dabble. I think it would be Ross. Could is he allowed to build on his own? Pick? <laughs> I I think a guy like David Tepper would be Tepper. Yeah, I, I think Snyder just as a huge fuck you to everybody. Uh, would Stan do it? Cronky. Yeah, I mean, I could Not see the those money, guys. But I mean, I could see those guys talking to me. He's thinking, what, "Why am I going to buy this when you're going to? You have trade to buy it? the pick and then pay for the player." Yeah, yeah, it's just for the pick. What would you? Let's just say, okay, in your hypothetical, which I kind of like, you don't know the pick. What what would the number be? Well, I think the bidding would start at ten million, and that would eliminate a few of the teams. But I think teams would agree, like ten million dollars for a first round pick is crazy as it sounds. More than one person would pay ten million dollars for. Maybe you could start it lower. Just to well, make the Rams that don't have one, it makes a lot of sense, right? I think. Now again, it depends. Like, there's the difference between the fifth pick and the seventh, tenth pick. But I think the number would be, especially if you said it was for charity. I think it have to be. Uh, I think it have to be over twenty five million dollars. Yeah, it feels like there would be a cap with the unknown, the number. Like, they, I think even the aggressive rich guys would go, this is crazy. This pick, what if they did make the playoffs and win a fucking game and all of a sudden we've paid $38 million for pick 24? We're going to feel like idiots, right? Right, right. So I I, I do wonder if they, they would have their analytic people run some, you know, a bunch of models on the Dolphins. There would be a number that I would say 99% of the teams, and like we've always said, you know, in free agency and shit, it just takes one. So maybe it, it, I'd say 20 to 25, even some of the big boys would be like, this is, this is pretty risky for something that a pick in their twenties. What's the hit on that? Even like, you know, 40%, 30%. So right. Like, right. Th- th- let's there's a let's lot make of- it for the sake of this argument, like a top five pick. 
Well, yeah, then I think you could talk $50 million. Right, because right. like Ryan Tannehill this year is making $30 million, right? TJ Watt is making 28. Uh, Devontae is making $28 million. DeAndre Hopkins this year is making $28 million. So let's say know, the Dolphins went four and whatever and their pick was three. I think the number would be 50 easy. The problem with three is it's like damn, you want the two quarterbacks, one and two. But you also got Will Anderson. So you're right. You're guaranteed either a generational pass rusher, Will Anderson, or one of the two top quarterbacks. Okay, bid, bidding number one overall pick and a Trevor Lawrence is in the draft. $100 million? Yeah, I mean, because you figure I'm saving the money on his actual contract. And I yes. would easily spend more than $100 million if he hits on him, the player. And you're looking around going, well, you know, quarterbacks cost $44 million a year right now. So if I spend a hundred and he's on a rookie deal, I've basically over the course of like his four year contract before I extend him, it probably pencils in the end. It probably balances out. I do think the NFL could do something. I don't Even if there's like the pick is 32, no matter what some auction. Yeah. There's gotta be something. There's a missed opportunity for content here. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, uh, with all of that, uh, let's start John with, we are not, you know, you had some flight delays. You didn't get out to Minnesota for the, the joint practice. And you got to go to Raider stuff tomorrow. So <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, so uh, luckily there are people on site for the uh, joint Vikings Niners practice. And we've got videos, including this one from Eric Branch, who tweeted the video of Trey Lance to Danny Gray. We are watching the video now on the YouTube and uh, as you pointed out to me, and as Eric pointed out, this is on Patrick Peterson, who on one hand, legit NFL pro. On the other hand, you know, maybe a bad matchup because he's not very fast. But this is also not during, it does not, a, this is not during 11 on 11. That should no. be noted. Well, I, I also think we need to note at this point in time, even though for, you know, you know, when you say old, you say, you know, 40, but, you know, Patrick Peterson is probably 32, but he's well, well, Pat. Yeah, he's 32 years old, just turned 32. I mean, his career has been holding on for dear life for like two years now, partly because he can't really run anymore. And he was a guy, I remember early on in his career, like punt returner, elite athlete. He just kind of goes. And Danny Gray, here's what we know immediately. Danny Gray can fly in a straight line. Like we, we saw that in the game. We see that right here. You and I, we've seen these at these practices. Like he has a skill. Like Ayuk can push the field, but Ayuk, I, if he becomes a star, which he has become in training camp, now will it translate to be an 80, 90 catch guy? I think a lot of people are bullish on it, but that's why you play the games. He's going to do a lot of his work, in my opinion, from like 10 to 20, you know, running deep outs, deep ins, and then make shit happen. Not that he won't hit some deep balls. It's, naturally comes. I mean, Devontae Adams on as fast as Ayuk, and he hits deep balls. Like, it's part of being a great receiver. To me, Danny Gray is a deep threat. Like, that is his number one characteristic that's getting him to play immediately. You know, they often say in, like, sports, and I think it's like this in probably any industry when you're young, like, find a little niche and then take off from there. Like, it's definitely in football or basketball or baseball when you're a young player and not the number one pick. Like you got to find something you do really well, and that can stand out to the coaching staff in the front office, and that'll get you in the mix. And clearly, especially on a good team, right? Especially not on a, good a lot team. of opportunity. It's hard to crack, and he has a skill that other guys on his own team, like 
he has elite four three three speed, and he clearly plays like that. And I used to say this like when the Niners we we nitpick like the nineteen team. Well, you know they got an undrafted free agent starting Emmanuel Mosley. Even if you look back on like LOB's defense, like the the corner opposite Richard Sherman was never as good as Richard Sherman. Now the three of the four DBs were Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, and Richard. But every team has a flaw. Most of the teams you're going to play in the NFL don't have multiple Jalen Ramseys. So like if Danny Gray's in the game against the Rams. Well, let's just say it's a three wide receiver set. Well, Jalen's going to 11 or 19 for sure, right? 100% he's going to one of those two guys. That means by the time you get to their third corner, Danny Gray, if he's on the opposite side, it's just usually getting your third corner. Most teams do not have multiple Deion Sanders. So, hell, most teams don't really, you know, it feels like there's like six or seven pretty good corners that we all kind of agree. And then there's just like a bunch of average guys that are kind of hit or miss. And that, to me, is where when you're loaded at wide receiver and coaches and teams have talked about this, you know, they're just way more wide receivers the last five years consistently coming into the league than corners. You know, it's why, you know, like when we talk college football, it's why Washington and Utah have gotten a lot of praise over like the last decade. They've produced a lot of DBs. It's pretty rare to have multiple NFL DBs in the No, I'm like Alabama or Ohio State, like it's really kind of been a point of differentiation for those two programs. It's like fucking Washington and Pete they had like three NFL guys. It's like, damn, how didn't Washington have two guys last year, two corners. So, and one went in the first round. Most NFL teams have like one corner. They're like trying to get rid of. That's why I think Richard Sherman, someone DM me the other day. Like, why do you think Richard is claiming the Niners are going to be the best defensive backfield in the league? I said, well, one, he's biased. Like these are his guys. He clearly likes, Jimmy Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, I think, was probably like a guy that he took under his wing. He's high on Ward, so he's biased there. But I think he also just looks like they got three legitimate pros and Hufunga, like that's better than the majority of teams. So the, that's where the Niners, with Danny Gray specifically, and Trey throwing bombs, where like ultimately last year they couldn't, I mean, they just they had to hit crazy slants and ins, and luckily they had the Yak bros and really Debo bro. But that's that. Debo. That's harder to sustain than just yeah. like you'd like to have a deep passing game element to your to your offense. Yeah. Well, and, and a fast guy. I mean, this is kind of stating the obvious, but a fast guy increases the likelihood that the pass is completed because a fast guy might be more open than a guy that's not as fast. And we've seen him now open multiple times. In fact, there was a second angle of this throw that makes it look like he has to throw down for the ball, a slow down for the ball from from Trey. So uh, now the good news is that, you know, Trey's got enough arm, but he has been open. I think it's interesting that he's been so open. Now the two big throws we saw the other day in the game. And then, and then this one against Patrick Peterson, these are not tight window deep balls that Trey Lance has to drop in the bucket for Danny Gray. And, and look, he's going to, but he's going to get like in some games, it's going to be hard guys open. There are going to be half the teams in the league where you're going to be able to scheme some guys deep, specifically him, against a slower corner. As the season goes on, guys get hurt. You're having like practice squad guys come up. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's yeah. Part of foot by the Utah play the Rose Bowl with the running back. Like it's just well, the nature. Of the, <laughs> look at the Niners. Yeah. Well, when you say like, oh, he burned Patrick Peterson. It's a bad matchup. Well, he's the one of their starting corners. Like there are bad matchups, right? Especially when ideally, eventually, you're an every down receiver. But when you're not, 
now you're a little bit more of a chess piece because you can get inserted in spots where you're going to get a good matchup. That's kind of the point is finding if you, we're going to find you an advantageous matchup. That's the point. It's crazy um, looking at his uh, his combine pre-draft. Is he, you know, they got him a 4-3-3. Three, three. Usually when a guy's like that explosive of runner, his vert, you know, is like 36, 37, 38. His vert was only 34. Hmm. You know, that number doesn't feel like he, you know, he made a couple of jumping plays. Maybe he just had a bad jump that day because his broad jumps 10-6, which is pretty good. But when I think, you know, explosive guys, like I bet, you know, Tyreek Hill's vert's probably 38. You know, usually you're just kind yeah. of a freak. Yeah. Sir Elderly on the stream, how many attempts, uh, how many attempts has Trey made to Gray? Chemistry will continue like all other offensive skill players. Also slot fade, deep overs will be great matchups for Gray against Nichols and safeties. I don't know how many he's made. I just I do know all the practices we've been to. It looks to me like Trey Lance is comfortable throwing the ball to Danny Gray. Now sometimes, you know, uh they don't complete the ball like the preseason game on that ball that was out of bounds, but uh, I do think he's comfortable throwing on the ball. Like, I think he's confident in him. And we've seen him catch the ball. Like, he's done. One of the questions was hands. He's caught a lot of ball. He has caught the ball when, when I've watched him. So, do you know what Brandon Ayuk's vertical jump was? It was very good. For yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember I looked at it a couple weeks ago just when I was looking at his arm length, which is also extremely good. So, yeah, 30, yeah, he's got, I mean, they're NFL linemen that have shorter arms. Brandon Ayuk, like this idea that Brandon is some like, uh, you know, this is the year, this guy, I got to tell you, this guy, Brandon Ayuk, man, people aren't talking about the first rounder who was fast, who's got long arms and who can jump. They're not talking about that guy. Well, let's say this. Remember, he had a, didn't he have a hamstring issue at the end of the season and it kind of led in and he ran a slower 40. It was like in the four fives, four five oh. What if Brandon Ayuk, was healthy and running like when we see him and ran a four four zero with all those. He was picked twenty five and does he part go of pick it seventeen? Well, you know? tough, right? Because there's, that was such a loaded first round of receivers. And he was, you know, he was a JC transfer, had a little less, so maybe he goes, you know, twenty to twenty five. But last time I checked, guy go, going twenty five is not like you're some scrub. <laughs> you know? It's like I got passed up. By 24 guys in a draft full of 250, what the fuck are we talking about? Well, you draft guys at 25 that you think could be stars. TJ Watt? I I think TJ Watt's like pick 26. How's he doing? Jake on the stream asked, they they would do backflips if Danny Gray had a rookie season like McCole Hardman. I think he carted off the field today. McCole Hardman got carted off the field? Or he like had a, it didn't look good. Thanks. Well, I'll read you his stats from his rookie year anyway. Well, he's... I think he maybe came up limping. I don't know something. It, yeah, it didn't look good. Left knee. I didn't see the clip. I just I just saw like doesn't look good. You know. <laughs> uh, championship team, twenty nineteen. His rookie year, twenty six catches, five hundred and thirty eight yards, six touchdowns, four rushing attempts. I think he returns to. I yeah lost I mean, two I fumbles. That, I think the Niners would take that right now for sure. Butcherbox.com slash ham. And another special deal, free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. 100% grass-fed beef 
free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Feels like Hardeman. Hard for me to tell. I mean, I was kind of wiggly. Like had it was like a he could kind of make guys miss, and he was flying. Yeah, I, I feel like I, when I close my eyes and I see Hardeman, it was like, is this guy? I think everyone agreed when he first showed up. It was like, does Andy Regis have seven guys that run four oh forties? Remember, like three of them just flying down the field, and he was one of them. Yeah. The difference is Danny is going to not look like anyone else on his team, right? <laughs> The Chiefs just every guy was going deep, right? There, are, there is there are things that he can do that there's only one person in the play. He's the number one guy that that route is designed for. Yeah, I, groin I, injury for Hardman. Okay, so he that's good. I wonder, you know, the one thing the Chiefs do with their speed demons, right? The Niners do this with Debo, who turns into like 
the Incredible Hulk, but the Chiefs do a lot of hand the ball off or do the little pitch things to get and get them running, you know, basically on end of rounds or through. I, it'll be interesting. Like, does Danny Gray have that in the bag? Because if he does, yeah, that adds know. a huge element, doesn't it? Like, if you yep. can bring him around like a double reverse or something, just get him flying. I mean, the thing is, that is stuff that Ayuk and Debo and even Kittle do. Remember Kyle, remember Kyle used to do it with the Olympic guy? Who Marquise everyone, Goodwin? Yeah. Who everyone what? Was like, we, didn't we argue the other day if like Gray can be better than Marquise? Well, yeah, you said he's more of a true receiver. I was talking to Cam Inman made the point to me. He's like, you know, people talk about Marquise Goodwin. Marquise Goodwin was a long jump Olympian. He wasn't a sprinter Olympian. But I saw someone say that he also ran the hundred oh, okay. in the for. Texas. I thought I remember wearing the Texas thing, but I think uh, from what I talking to somebody else the other day about him, just there was a lot of like uh, you know track star attitude that the Niners didn't love him. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you know, John Lynch, when you and I were shooting the shit with him, like, and I think he's viewed this way around the end. Danny Gray. This is where I said the difference is. Danny Gray's viewed as a football player, like can break tackles and ran hard, yeah, yeah. you know, as like a football player. Marquise, like you said, not just the track star, but what was the program he came from? You know, everyone's feeling themselves and everyone, you know, a bunch of underachievers. He did run a four two seven. You know what Marquise Goodwin's vertical jump was? I, I mean, ridiculously high. How high? Forty four. If I said fifty six, would you? No, it's not even possible. He was forty two. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Fifty six would be pretty high up there. Yeah. All right. Here's a uh, here's a review, uh, a recap of um, uh, perspective from Niners practice. Saw Matt Barrows uh, tweet this. He said, "49ers for- first joint practice wrapping up. I have Trey Lance eleven of eighteen with a spike. His best play came on fourth and long in a two minute drill when he scrambled and found Debo Samuel for a first down. Lance had some time to throw early, but that quickly dissolved." Had him getting touch sacked four times. I actually think these two are kind of related. That his best play was he scrambled and found Debo. And one of the things that happened today was he didn't get great protection. Do you take it as the one of the 18 is the spike or that was separate? I have. I mean, I take that as it's one of the 18. If he says 11 to 18 with us. Well, that's a good question. Hard to tell. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, no, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Good question. I, I am just I, – I refuse to worry about the interior offensive linemen. I, I just like pass protection. This gets back to the corners. Most teams do not feel like they have, you know, Larry Allen and Jim Otto at center and guard. That's just not the case. You know, the Eagles, I would say, feel probably the best of most teams in the league of like all five of their offensive linemen are really good. That's just not the case. You know, at one point in time, the 49ers got Lincoln Tomlinson from the Lions for a seventh-round pick. Now, he had been a first-round pick, so that you could say, well, there was lineage there. He was highly thought of coming out in the draft, and they resurrected his career. That is not the case, you would say, with you know Brunskill, former tight end, AAF guy. Brendel uh, was, I think, a fifth-round pick years ago. Uh, Aaron Banks was, I mean, he's a high pick, right? <laughs> I mean, second-round pick at guard. And even Burford, I mean, that's a fourth round pick. Like that's I would imagine if we just did a study, looked at the centers and guards, like there are a, a high percentage of centers and guards, probably right in that wherever Burford was picked in that yeah. kind of general range, give yep. or take 30 picks. So th- 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 they got enough. 
in terms of where they drafted guys. Just you, we've been enough practice body types. Like, there's a reason Kyle makes fourteen million dollars. I would imagine uh, Forrester makes one point five. You know that you, you got to make this shit happen. And uh, yeah, it's just I think it's a work in progress for most teams. When we'll talk about the Kinlaw play, like he just like people get destroyed all over the place. I'm you know, just. Most guards are not just going to be like, I'm locking up. You're at a huge disadvantage. Think, and this goes back to the corners. There have been so many pass. When, when I got was in the NFL, there were like three defensive tackles that could pass rush. And they were like stars. Now, I would say it feels like every team has a legit defensive tackle. And some teams have multiple. So it's just hard. You know, it's just your guards. You got to coach them up. I don't think it's really avoidable. It's like, is this going to be an issue? Well, it's like, it's really an issue for most teams. To me, is it, are these guys going to be below average players? If they're just functional, like you can win with functional players. Patriots did it. The Colts did it forever. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady made a career out of it. Now you can be like, well, John, two greatest quarterbacks ever. They get rid of the ball. I get that. But like you said, the scramble part, that's why you get a running guy. It's going to be very difficult. I would say moving forward, even like in a couple years, if Trey becomes a good player and Trent retires or whatever, like they're probably not going to have highly priced guards and centers. Now they might draft like a center in five years in the second round or whatever, but they're not going to have like, is it crazy that Niners center makes $27 million? Like they're always going to be probably on rookie contracts. And I would say fly flyer guys like Tomlinson. That's going to be how that's usually how good teams make their hay at garden center. Unless you get like, you know, like the Eagles drafted Jason Kelsey, he became like a Hall of Fame player, and they built their franchise. Like he's been a stalwart, but they, they like he takes away from another position when you get decent money. I don't know how much exactly Kelsey makes. I'd guess thirteen, fourteen million bucks. But I would say for the foreseeable future, if we look at the amount of money they're going to pay guards and centers, wouldn't you say it's going to be one of the lower position groups? Yeah, I mean, I think it'll it'll depend on. What do they do? How do they do? They pay both tight ends. Is are Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk both on the team after Brandon Ayuk's extension? Right. I think the good thing with them, they do save. I uh, you say I want to say they save money on the D line because of how well they coach it, but they don't. With Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa on the same defensive line, that's an expensive defensive line. Once Nick gets paid, uh, so yeah, I mean they. I, I think it's a good point. I mean they're doing it right now with. Uh, with the best left tackle in the game, obviously. I think I would expect at this point, we've talked about this, McGlinchey to be back on some semi-reasonable number with them, but I don't know, maybe not. You know, the Bengals are an example. They got to the Super Bowl last year with, I think, what people considered a bad offensive line. Well, I think the tough part with McGlinchey will be if McGlinchey just has a solid season, like he looks like he can just be a solid starter at right tackle. You know what his agent will say? How often do solid offensive tackles hit the open market? You will get overpaid, and the Niners would be like, want to give him a team-friendly deal, but his yeah. agent would be like, if you sign for $25 million guaranteed, or just, the Niners number would probably be much smaller in the open market. It, it could yeah. be 50% lower. Or yeah. yeah, but I also don't think it's it, with the, with that a, that's – pass protection is not his strength anyway, right? which yeah. is what we're talking about here. We're not talking about run running the ball. I, th- I think back to the Niners, the the way their twenty the way their Super Bowl ended in nineteen, and the way last year ended the NFC Championship game, with pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I remember Jimmy trying to get out of the Super Bowl out of the pocket and get the ball to Kittle. And think about remember the way the <laughs> the Rams game ended with Garoppolo like throwing the ball backwards over his shoulder. <laughs> I mean, and that you know there was pressure on him throughout that game, and I think every quarterback is going to get pressure ultimately. It's one of the reasons. I, I feel Trey like St- I feel like Stafford was getting mollywopped in that game too. Yeah, what's the point? Like everybody is going to be under pressure to some degree. So a quarterback who knows how to a get out of it now get get rid of the ball quickly. That's one way to avoid it. We'll see how much Trey does that. But there's no question. Not just is he mobile, but he's his physicality should help the 49ers in this regard. In defense of Jimmy Garoppolo's ending as a 49er, Joe Burrow's season ended the same way in the Super Bowl. It did. Aaron 100%. And he is mobile. <laughs> yeah. Right? He's, but Burrow's more mobile than – it's actually really similar to the way. Very similar. It's like same deal. Ba- basically, like, around. if 99 wants to try, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> you know, it's just can that guy slow down a little bit? Doesn't feel like he gets fat and happy, does it, with more money? I mean, we'll see. He finally got paid again, I guess. He's made a lot of money, though. Yeah. Those abs have been pretty tight as he's been rich for a while. Let's see what video we have here uh, from Brad. This is uh, from uh, the SF Niners, from Brad at the SF Niners. This is Javon Kinlaw video we're watching here. Oh, yeah. Kinlaw is uh, lined up over the left guard. You know, I, I thought this clip was great because Drake Jackson's good to see Drake Jackson back. That is Drake Jackson, right? I think that's yeah. 95. Yeah. Bose is out there and uh, Givens is out there as well. But this whole this whole uh, line collapses. But Kinlaw, my God. <laughs> For those of you who not who can't see it, it's just Kinlaw. How would you describe this? Just he just bull, panc- I mean, he just bull, absolutely bull. destroys the offensive tackle. Or he doesn't get to the quarterback, guard. but he ends up at his feet. And this is what I'm saying a little bit. Like for that offensive guard, for example, you know, he's thinking like, oh, I'm playing this former high pick who hasn't done shit. And then all of a sudden he looks at him. He's like, Jesus Christ is a mammoth of a human being. And this is what we've been saying about this player. And Kyle's reiterated this. Kacarek talked about it when he talked with the, with Barrows, when the assistants were allowed to talk. We just got to get this guy on the field. We feel good about his conditioning. We feel good about his strength. We feel good about his health. Now he just needs to play. And when he plays, I think we've both agreed, and anyone who's seen him, how is his floor not extremely high as a player? Now, I, I'm i not acting like he's going to be some great, consistent pass rusher. Uh, and ultimately, this play, it's hard to see how the did, the... did the Viking catch this ball? Like, it's not like... Now, it's a quick throw. It doesn't result in anything. But if he can just constantly create chaos and havoc... We know whether it's Drake Jackson, Bosa, seven other guys coming off the edge. The Niners' edge pressure will be zero issues. But inside, it's like, well, they lose, you know, uh, DJ Jones to Denver, who was an excellent player for him. So you kind of, and he was really good. So who's like Armstead now? He's lost DJ Jones and Buckner. Like, who's his help? Now you can say, well, they're going to create new guys. And that's true, but we'll wait and see who that is. But if you automatically just give Kinlaw next to Armstead, I, I just don't see how they're not a dominant front. Yeah, I think, you know, somebody asked us the other day about Kinlaw after one of the practices. And, you know, you start going through your mind all the plays that he's been a part of. It's not going to be, and this is the way it usually is with interior guys, it's not going to be about seven sacks. It's going to be about just creating, A, run stopping, 
and B, collapsing the pocket from the inside, which makes life miserable, um, especially when you've got the guys coming off the edge that you do. So I'm with you. I think it's well, as and, simple and that, as if that, he's on the field, his floor is really high. And to me, that's one of those, if you're getting edge pressure and this guy has got to step up, like even though Kinlaw, he's just create, like where does the guy step up? There's two, there's 700 pounds of human, right? You know, there's nowhere for him to go, right? The quarterback. Yeah. Yep. No. Let's run the tape, John. Uh, it on this, it does look like a throwaway. Yeah. Uh, Tarver Dome. Hope I got that right. It says, look at the left tackle's black gloves contrasting with Drake Jackson's jersey. Do you know, all the way. What's funny is when I, I you see the glove, I thought it was hair, and I'm like, I didn't. Is that? Are we sure that's Drake Jackson? But you're 100 right. Like it's definitely 95. But I was like, what is that black? It's the glove holding like doing everything to hold on for dear life. <laughs> I mean, it's driven out of now, the frame. He, Just look at this. Bye. <laughs> I, I would. I will say this. The Minnesota Vikings, let's just hypothetically say they're good, and I think they're already getting a little overhyped. They are a matchup that the Niners would pay to play in a big yeah. game because yeah. their offensive line is not great. And remember, in the playoff game, they smothered them. And even if you're like, you know, Kirk Cousins is no longer a joke, and he's not, but he is not mobile. So if you can, you know, rattle them in terms of just keep hitting them, which the Niners would be able to against them. I, I, I do think that Minnesota, their DBs are terrible in terms of their corners. Harrison Smith's still solid. If you have bad corner play, is I think it's very, very difficult to be, a, you know, it's, it's just hard. You saw last year, Minnesota, they were right in the playoff mix, and then ultimately it kind of fucked them. Because you just give up touchdowns, even if you're scoring them. The Niners somehow were able to overcome it. They, they got some, remember, they started getting some turnovers at the end of the season, but like, if you cannot cover people on the outside, I, I think it's very, very difficult to be a playoff team in the NFL. Well, with the way the game's played. Well, that's the thing. It's like it takes away your part of your specialness is Thielen and Justin Jefferson scoring but, points, but it negates it, right? If I can score on, if, if your DBs make my guys look like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen too. One argument I've seen or read or heard people—I didn't actually read the article, but hear people reiterate of the article on podcast. Is it like they had a historically poor pass defense last year? It's like, yeah. And the argument from the analytical elites is like, statistically, it's impossible to be that bad back to back years. And you're like, yeah, well, who's playing? But it, it wasn't a surprise that they were bad at D. Their DBs were bad and then played bad. It's not like they had some injuries and they had some bad luck. It's they came into the year with a pass defense that was going to be ass and it turned out to be ass. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll swing back if they get better players, but the players they had, not good. Well, and my thing too is it's like, well, they got this bright young offensive mind. I actually felt like I've watched a lot of Vikings the last couple of years. And the last thing I ever thought was like, you know, the offense. I know. It's they the, did the, it did feel like they had to have some games last year where they were what was the was it the Packer game? What game were they down early in the year and came storming back, still lost? Uh, I just remember them scoring they, they're on red zone a lot. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. Which is good and bad. We got a Bosa play also from Brad at the SF Niners. Brad killing it. Part of the uh, Niners survey, I'm sure. Uh, Bosa. Watch Bosa at the bottom here. As you said, uh, I don't think Bosa on the tight end is supposed to be the matchup. Or the tight end on Bosa. Not not, not if your plan is good. I mean, that tight end had no shot. Absolutely no shot. You got to give Bosa a sneaky pro move. I mean, could have just thrown the guy to the ground. Just 
Love taps. Keeps moving. Well, when you watch the video in regular speed, it looks like he doesn't get touched. He does get touched. He just gets off the touch. He just tosses the guy so quick. When you also, in regular speed, it looks like the running back has like a six-yard gain. You realize, well, Nick just taps him and not allowed to tackle him, right? Yeah. Nick, Nick doesn't wrap him up. It's he a two-yard loss. I mean, if Nick... Hurt if his hand, though, a, game, a little. You see this? Look at his hand. Look at his hand. Eh, what? Isn't it probably hard to not play football? Yeah. Wait, I'm just I we're on in the trenches and, and I'm not allowed to tackle. I gotta kinda like tap him, but I also gotta like touch him with my shoulder pads. Kind of weird deal. That's what we see every day in practice when we watch Bosa. It's just he did that's what he did do uh Dwelly? Kelly Croft. Colton McKivitz the other day. The uh Kelly Croft. One reason I think a lot of guys get cut. Now, sometimes you see guys get cut like older guys. You know, DeQuest Denard, who we were practicing earlier during training camp, and on his leg, he has the NFL shield. Roger would be very happy. And then under it, he has round one pick, whatever, 25 or 24. You're talking about a tattoo on his calf. Tattoo on his calf. We started talking, we're like, this guy was a first-round pick. And... I think Kyle, he talked a little bit in the press conference. Like someone asked him, why'd you cut him? He was running with the ones. And Kyle was like, well, it doesn't necessarily matter where you're running. If we go, you're not actually going to be running with that when it matters. Another guy would. And you also do the guy a favor, older guys, like a guy like him, chance to hop on somewhere right now and potentially make a team. But I, a lot of young guys that are fringe NFL players practice look, you know, it's it's pretty remarkable. I don't think these guys get enough credit if you go to an NFL practice when the ones versus ones, how everyone's just kind of standing up despite them all being full speed and no one tackling and they all kind of, but they don't really stop, but they kind of do at contact and they keep going their separate ways. The talent that that takes, like if you ever watch like a college video, even if from like Saban, but like any power five, but obviously Saban, they mic them up and cameras are out there a lot. He's always like, stay on your feet, you know, because they're not tackling to the ground and they want to keep everything so crisp early on. If you, I mean, I bet at Alabama, it's probably difficult for them. Like, even if you're the number one player in high school, you're like, this is crazy. We don't like tackle necessarily, but we keep on running and then they get used to it. But when you come to an NFL practice, you got one dude from Weber state, another dude from Bama, another guy's from SC. Everyone's practicing is a little, you know, I bet if those OTAs for some guys like this is nuts. Right. Some guys come from some low-level practice operations. Yeah, or just because you're just playing with no one else that's sniffing the NFL. And I, I think you notice it sometimes, especially early in training camp, like when the backups, just bodies are everywhere. Dude's trying to d- diving to make a play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You saw Kim DJ got, Kim DJ got cut. And um, I think maybe it was Lombardi tweeted, Kimtiche had hit somebody early in camp. I, I don't remember it, but maybe we weren't there. But when like a, they weren't like allowed to touch hit? anybody. Yeah, just like hit somebody when he wasn't supposed to hit somebody. And he said that, you know, it was a, a bad fit. But I remember watching him thinking he's practiced like a me guy, I thought. Um, but I, I had someone tweet at me. I mean, who knows? This guy could have been an old Miss SEC fan and was like, you could you could make an argument. He's one of the biggest wasted talents in like Hmm. NFL history. And that my pushback would be a little bit is by the time he was an NFL pick, he was not like, he was the number one high school player. 
and went to Ole Miss when they were buying everyone before you were allowed to buy everyone, even though in the SEC you were allowed to buy everyone, you just weren't allowed to talk about it. And Kandiche goes there, and it never really lives up to the hype, but the Arizona Cardinals took him in like the late 20s or maybe like 31 or 30, whatever. And I, you know, is he a waste? Obviously, he's more talented than his NFL career is gone. Or is he just not like, like part of talent to me is like, like part of Eric Armstead or DeForest Buckner or Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox is like part of your talent is like your brain and being locked in. I, I'm telling you, the uh, the second episode of Hard Knocks, the one of the St. Browns, they, they all got crazy names. The one on the Lions, you just Amin realize uh, Amon Ra, like this guy is fucking dialed. And part of it is he shattered Lions records. And they've had good receivers in the history of the franchise. Like he has the most catches, most yards for any. It was a rookie, and he was not. He was not like a first. Wasn't he like a fourth or or third? Might have been a third. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he was a fourth. He could list all the receivers over him, but he wasn't as high of a pick as given his production. But my point is, like, part of his to me, like his talent, fourth fourth round, is upstairs. So this Kimdiche guy, like. Like, is he that talented? Like, it's part of the whole package, right? Screaming, hooting and hollering. Like, I've been to enough NFL practices. Most good players, even the crazy D linemen, aren't hooting and hollering. I'll give this guy who's mellowed out a little bit. And I wonder if they've worked on upstairs with this guy and why he's going to might live up to the... I feel like Kinlaw has mellowed out a little 100%, bit. 100%, without question. Just a little more even. Yeah, it's like, hey, hey. And I bet people have said, well, like, you can't... Well, I, but I don't, you know, that's, I, I, I kind of understood where Javon was coming pra- from. Pra- we watched him last year at practice and thought, man, he is riding a roller coaster just emotionally at practice. I feel he has just settled in a lot. And I, I, I think agree. unless, I would imagine there are historical guys in pro sports, basketball, baseball, or football, that just have unique personalities, never shut up, but they're also really good and just comes natural. I think most guys, it's hard to maintain that. And I wonder if Kamdiche, I don't even think he knows what he doesn't even know, but that's his own problem. You know, that's why, like, like is he that talented or is just a huge body with some athletic attributes that doesn't really know what he's doing? Because even, like, Clowney, is he an underachiever? I watched Clowney enough when he was healthy. Like, the guy was a pretty damn good player. Did he ever live up to the he's high? A very, he will have had a very good NFL career. Nadamakan Sue, same thing. Like, does he ever live up to the hype of being like the next Reggie White? No, but, but these guys are still one percenters <laughs> by NFL standards. Yeah. Like Nadamakan Sue and, and Clowney, while quote unquote maybe underachievers, given their because they did have the total package and we saw them play like that. Like you'd seen games against Clowney. I'll never forget the game the Raiders played against uh, the Texans in the playoffs when like uh, we were told that McGloin and uh, and Connor Cook were going to save the season and Clowney had like 17 tackles and he was an unstoppable force. So to me, it's like clear this guy can do it. Like I, I don't think Kandichi can do it. Oh, yeah, I agree. How about the? Um, do you think uh, the Bosa's father and the St. Brown's dad they got some stuff they could they got some stuff they could talk about? Maybe they should start the clinic. Maybe. Uh, the Brown dad and Bosa dad should go in on the uh, on the stud fee clinic. You know, I'm not just three. Osiris goes to Stanford. Equinemius St. Brown goes to Notre Dame and Amon Ross St. Brown goes to USC. SC guy's the best one out of the bunch, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Equinemius is in the league. The Bears. Yep. Is the Stanford guy still on Stanford? No, 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 no. 
All three wide receivers? All three wide receivers, yeah. His dad in his heyday, jacked. Does they not show him the on kid. hard knocks. Didn't show him. They mic'd him up. And I mean, he he plays a role. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty good, you know, those can be hit or miss. It was a solid set. Took take shot at Kevin Durant. <laughs> What'd he say? <laughs> well, talking about lifting, and his whole thing is like so many guys. He's like, Kevin Durant, you know, it's like tear your Achilles. When's the last time you did a calf raise in here? We're doing calf raises. And it's like his two sons back there doing all this shit. And he's, <laughs> the way he says it, just, I, I saw a bunch of people tweeting, like even in hard knocks, Kevin Durant's catching strays. Now this guy, multiple time, Mr. Olympian, his kids, part of it is your upbringing. I, I mean, I don't totally. know if these guys were just born super focused, but you can just tell like, this is a no fuck around family, man. Now his dad is also funny. Like there's a scene where he's, you know, they're sitting in the stands. It looks like with his wife and St. Brown's either girlfriend or wife. And he points, he goes, it looks like that's the Hutchinson's up there in a box. He's like, we don't get a box. He's like $20 million first round number two pick. They get a box. That's pretty good. Yeah. Mr. Universe. Jack. Mr. Universe. Wow. Doesn't look. Is that the I, biggest one, or is Mr. Olympia? Mr. Universe, I guess, would be bigger. Yeah, I think, I mean, I would imagine that's the one Arnold one. Universe. He's proud of it, too. <laughs> USC's had some pretty special parents, it feels like. You know, just some big personality parents. My other takeaway, guy, is when they were talking about how good St. Brown is. I saw McAfee is at Colts camp. Pittman yeah. had a play where Pittman, did you see that clip this morning? No, I saw him get in a fight, I guess. but No, Pitt, Pittman runs like catches an out route or something and like runs into McAfee set and they start going nuts. And then Pittman like puts his helmet by the mic. He's like, what's up everybody. And you, and I started going SC, 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 SC. I know it's not like Hufunga, Drake Jackson. It'd be one thing like Texas has had this terrible run. They haven't had that many NFL guys. I feel like SC has put out not proportionally to Pete, but like still putting out pretty consistently NFL like impact players all over the league, guy. <laughs> Just watch the Pittman video. Yeah, though they are. They they get dudes. Um, I, I have to share this because I also a- saw. You know, I'm I'm on text threads with just some Cal Bear diehards. The Saints tweeted out a picture yesterday of Cam Jordan with Aaron Rodgers, and he's like, and they put like an at Cal Berkeley reunion. Yeah, and you're just going, it's pretty nuts that a team that has struggled. I mean, Jared Goff was the number one overall pick, but relative to the, the last decade, was nowhere near the 2000s to the 2010s. That's a picture of the reigning NFL MVP at quarterback standing next to. A, like a seven-time Pro Bowl defensive lineman. Yeah, like that's what Ted. Like it was a long time ago. A long time ago, but I I could understand if I'm a Cal Bear. Like, God damn, can we just get some of these players again? Tedford, I don't think quite gets the credit of how unreal he recruited. Ooh, yeah, nice catch, Traylon Burks. I have to bring it up because I just I am just in a DM just battle with Titans fans right now. Did you know that Traylon Burks, nice catch, happy for him, rooting for him, John. Traylon Burks, I read, the only receiver drafted in the first or second round this year that played in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. And then Vrabel said 
uh, today or yesterday. Yeah, he, you know, didn't really all the stuff that we wanted to in practice didn't really take it to the field. Again, not down on him, but you're acting like Brable was saying the preseason game didn't even go that great. Yeah, yeah. Whereas everyone was remember everyone got so incensed last week when when Roto World, whoever NBC Sports Edge took somebody's tweet and said that Brooks wasn't running with the ones. It was like, it's not, it's not the case. It's it's misleading. Well, Kyle Phillips, who they drafted in the fifth round, got like five snaps in the preseason game because he's good. Traylon Brooks got 30 snaps, one target in the preseason game. Do you think the Niners feel good about not trading Debo for that guy? Well, yeah, I saw the report. I think Lombardi wrote that he had a really good practice today. You and I talked about the other day. We watched Debo. He's had... We thought the last couple of practices we went to, yes, it's gotten better and better and better, and it's looked more game speedy. So I'm not surprised to hear that he had a good practice today. And I if wonder th- if some of the incompletions with Trey, and I felt this way in some of them, you know, we talked about on the sideline, were like uh, early, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, were that Debo was not going at the speed that the people that Trey trained with went at maybe. And now it feels like Debo's going at top speed or near it. Well, think about a guy. He didn't do anything in the offseason with the Niners, right? And even the the OTAs, the mandatory came for, so he didn't get fined 95K. He stood there. Training camp the first, I mean, at minimum the first week or whenever that Monday of pads. Yeah, so they would have been basically Monday to Sunday. He didn't do anything. So they're like the other guys had a huge, if you're just playing golf, and you just stand there and watch the guys you're going to play with get to hit balls every day for eight months. And then all of a sudden you just start playing like they should be just a little more dialed in than you. He didn't do anything besides training on his own. Well, what do all the other guys? They train on their own too. So they practice and they train on their own. I'm not trying to defend him like because it does feel sometimes that he lollygags. Now, I I come from more of a, a liberal offensive Pat Hill, Andy Reid, you can lollygag when you make plays. <laughs> so I, it doesn't bother me. Like, I, I'm not – this is not Mike Ditka, Bill Parcells, you know, Practice Jerry like Rice running th- – Yeah. Well, what about the, that? But but he's proven no, – like, I he's know. proven – did feel, like you know, just – he's just kind of easing his way in. But maybe part of easing his way in is, like, he's been hurt before. He's, you know, he's just not in the shape that some of these guys are in, given does he hasn't practiced. Like, it, it, when you really – factor in all the variables is it that nuts that it took him a little longer to get going no brandon ayuk's been practicing his ass off for like eight straight months debo's just been watching yeah i mean the question i think at at the time was was would they get it up to speed in time and the answer is looking like yes and and even then it's i mean they got a little under a month they got a long time aaron Rodgers. The young guys, especially the young receivers, uh, we've got to be a lot more consistent. A lot of drops, a lot of bad route decisions, running the wrong route about receiver Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Quote, Christian, he's going to be a work in progress. End quote. Aaron Rodgers. Can you, can you go back to the picture with the quote? I mean, does he look 57 years old in his helmet? How does, how does he look so old? He looks dramatically more weathered than Tom, who's on a three-week vacation. I, he has the manner, or maybe that's what. Well, he went on a big vacation too. Maybe not a lot of sunshine. Is it, is it the mustache where he kind of looks like a west, uh, you know, old western, you know, type actor? Yeah, I think he his naturally the way his eyes maybe look. Uh, you know, his skin's natural, a little thinner, face is a little more wrinkled. Could uh, probably maybe use a little Botox. 
I think Aaron wants Aaron looks like a guy who very casually smokes cigarettes, even though I don't think he does. But he carries like that kind of, uh, you know, like that the 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 air. Aaron's personality projects in the way that cigarette companies used to advertise. Like they just just like that cool and easy type yeah. thing going. Uh, and that was also like at 50, I could walk into the bar and get any chick vibe. And Aaron's not 50, but, you know, I think he he projects that vibe. <laughs> Look at that face. He looks so old. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I've always respected about that vibe? Like the dude's always like 6'2", 48. I mean, looks like he's got a 33 waist. Just looks fantastic. Cigarette, straight whiskey. It's like those type guys do they like not eat like pasta and ice cream you know and part, <laughs> those guys never part eat it, cake. they never eat dessert you're right well they don't honestly they don't really when you smoke that many cigarettes you don't eat that much like part of their their food intake is not as much as a non-smoker because the cigarettes it's like chewers like you can you can supplement a meal with the tobacco and nicotine and uh it's uh, chewers can you know kind of do both but cigarette smokers when you think about it a lot of cigarette smoker men i mean there aren't as many anymore but i think it's a kind of a skinny hack now you got to always be cool with smelling like cigarettes <laughs> whenever i hear like uh like i'm around people that are older or whatever like yeah he still sneaks in cigarettes his wife doesn't know like how, doesn't know like how when he gets home he wouldn't he reek like it's, it stays in your hands he looks like ken stabler's wingman if Uncle Rico made it, Marlboro he, man, he has a fantastic thick mustache, does he not? Yeah, he really does. What's the guy? Uh, he's in, he's in the Bradley Cooper movie. He was in. Uh, oh, uh, he was in the show with Tim McGraw, like eighteen eighty seven. Yeah, he was in. He was in. Um, Sam, Sam, Wa- not Watterson. That's the Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah. He was he was in uh, what's it called uh, Coldstone, um, not Coldstone obviously, but uh, Tombstone, Gray, Greyhawk. Oh yeah, to, uh, Tombstone. W- when you have a great mustache, you're made to kind of that Western cigarette vibe. That and the voice, Sam Elliott's voice is just uh, yeah. When he's screaming at at um, Bradley Cooper for not wearing not wearing the earplugs. God, what a performance, Sam Elliott. Fantastic. That that movie feels like it just kind of disappeared. Fantastic flick. Well done. Even though it was like yeah. the seventh time of a remake, but it's good. Wasn't the seventh? I thought it was just the second. I think it was a third. I made the mistake of watching that movie for the first time on an airplane. I was just bawling my eyes out. Yeah, it's it's in, it's intense. <laughs> you know what's on my mind? Cold Stone ice cream, baby. Uh, all right. Anything else to add today? I think it's a, a quicker pod today. Uh, probably back on Thursday. We haven't discussed that, but we'll see how things play out. We'll definitely be back on Saturday night after the uh, Niners-Vikings preseason game. Um, we'll see who plays, but uh, we will be back for that. In the meantime, on YouTube, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Let's keep this bad boy growing. We appreciate all of your support on the podcast as well. Share it with people. We appreciate the growth there, and uh, we appreciate all of you. You know what would be a good Manning cast for this preseason game, which feels like it's going to be a lot of backups? Mike Shanahan, Cousins ain't going to play. Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo. Just just talking ball, talking life. So Cousins, Garoppolo, and Mike. Mike. I could see it be like 
cousin's mic on time. Garoppolo's chair is empty. Nobody can get a hold of him. Didn't respond to the text. I saw Chris Sims talking about it on the uh, last PFT live about, you know, people, they were trying to text him. And then he said a thing that in text, you'd think like, is this true? He's like, hey, you know, somebody, uh, yeah, I think they had to go to his house and knock on the door. Where are you at? Are you okay? Like, again, did that really happen? Or was he just making that up? One other quote. I meant to bring this up unrelated well, to Jimmy. Well, Chris, Chris would know, right? Chris would know. Did you see the, uh, uh, Garrett Wilson's on the Jets. Chris Olave's on the Saints, right? Yeah. The Garrett Wilson quotes. No. So they asked him what's different between Joe are, Flacco and Zach Wilson. Are, are, oh no. Yes, I haven't. I, I thought you were going to say that Garrett. There was a quote I saw, but it might have been fake. Ohio State guys like every guy I'm playing with would have been six string. But I think you know it's one of those like memes where people like oh, make something. Oh. Okay, and I okay. So they asked him. The quote, as I saw it tweeted, was basically like, yeah, it's different. Joe is this th- real? It's real. The quote, as it was written, was like, yeah, it's different, dot, dot, dot. Joe throws a really catchable ball. I'm like, I got to go watch it. I don't want to. There's no way Garrett Wilson, high-level guy, Ohio State, is just out here ripping Zach Wilson like that. So I watched it, and it wasn't a, you know, I saw somebody tweet it like, body, just put Zach Wilson in a body bag. First of all, Garrett Wilson, impressive guy. But he does say, yes, it's different. And then he explains, you know, Joe throws different routes with different velocity. Joe will throw an out route with more velocity. He'll throw it down the field with more velocity. He'll take a little off on a crossing route. So he was not ripping Zach. And I think you could reasonably say Flacco's 37. Zach's in the second year. There are just things that he's going to do better. But at the same time, he absolutely said, yes, there is a difference in the way they throw the ball. Now, it was more about, yes, it's different. And then he just said things that Joe Flacco does as opposed to he wasn't, you know, definitely comparing every step of the way. He said, yeah, it's different. And then he described things Joe does well. But he did say that stuff. He wasn't ripping Zach Wilson, but he did say that stuff. Yeah, I would have assumed Joe Flacco when it ended with the Ravens would have called it a career. Yeah. So I'm done. That's kind of the vibe he gave a little Rogery, like another guy that feels like he could just smoke some cigarettes and just kind of hang out. Uh, since he left the Ravens though, I give Joe credit. He's made three, three, six, uh, five. I guess the Broncos did pay him the one year to be the bridge starter. He's banked another guy about $23, 24000000 million since leaving the Ravens. So I think Flacco, someone got in Flacco's ear like, bro, you don't have to be done. You can make another $20, 30000000 They don't pay that in real world. I did not expect him to just kind of have this iteration of just kind of being a backup and being yeah. like Eagles. The Maybe he Jets. really likes it. Clearly. You know? Like I looked at Madison Bumgarner the other day. He gets shelled by the Giants. Uh, yeah, he didn't pitch well. And he's got two years left on his contract. Is he just going to retire at like 34 and a half, 35 years old? He might. Because what's unique about him was he came into the league at 21. Like his first full season was 21 years old. So he's going to have a 15-year career at 34. He's going to have a 15-year career, yeah. But he might retire in two years. Hell, I, he might retire in one. He might, if you told me he just leaves the last year of the deal, like whatever it is, 12 million bucks on the table, just walks away. Like, well, I mean, 12 million bucks. People don't do that. But is he pretty bad now? 
Uh, I haven't. Ch- I didn't check. I haven't honestly looked at his numbers. My guess is it feels like his ERA is like four and a half right now. If that's yeah. still a thing, it's kind of sad. I don't, you know. But again, he won three. He's won three titles. He came in the league at twenty-one. He's had one of the greatest moments in the history of the sport, coming out of the bullpen in Game Seven of the World Series. Like, what else are you? Fi- you richest shit. What else are you really fighting for at this point? I know. And think <laughs> he's about had that a career. Think about that moment too. Like in the peak of his powers. That's almost ten years ago now. You know, it's not like that was five years ago. It's not like he fell off a cliff. That was that fourteen. Was yeah, two thousand fourteen. I mean, we're we're not that far away from twenty three. True. So eight and a half, nine years ago. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And now he's shopping at Yeti stores in uh, Scottsdale Quarter. John Middlecoff watches the interaction. There's <laughs> only so much you can do. Yeah. All right. Thanks for hanging with us, everybody. We'll see you back here soon. Anything else to add, John? Nope. Okay. Adios, Pelota. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.